0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: The recruiting pursuits for Oregon are hot on the trail, and we're looking at a number of quarterbacks, and we've heard Jaden Rashada, and we've heard Dante Moore's name, but what if neither commits to Oregon? There's a new recruit in the mix. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view If you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the ducks like comment subscribe for you're listening to or watching the show five star views on apple podcast nice comments or likes on youtube as well appreciate all of that and we welcome back once again our recruiting guru here at the locked on podcast network he is the director of recruiting for sports illustrated his name is john garcia jr you probably know him by now duck fans or at least you should because he has been a regular on the guest for gosh i think it's already been a, a couple months hasn't it john
0: it has, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun. So I appreciate you, Spencer.
1: Well, we are definitely having fun and Oregon fans are having fun looking at the first full recruiting class of Dan Lanning and company who have kind of set the bar high with how they salvaged this class of 2022. I've been very pleased with that. And I know a lot of Oregon fans have been excited about it as well. But the, the big dominoes still yet to fall, as we've been discussing, is, is that quarterback position. Who's the next big? quarterback commit that Oregon is going to get. So before we get into some specific names, because a new guy has emerged as a potential 2023 quarterback commit for the Ducks, do you think that it's possible that, you know, they go after all three of these guys now and they don't get any of them? Like, do you, do you see that as a possibility?
0: It's possible. I mean, sure. Right. I mean, these, these quarterbacks that Oregon is gunning for, are extremely coveted, right? Coast to coast, uh, and a lot of them, particularly Avery Johnson, who I know we'll talk about, have increased their recruiting profile very recently. And we said that about Jaden Rashada you know, a month ago, just these guys are, are national recruits that have elevated where, where they stand with a lot of schools. Uh, so it means a lot of schools want to get them on campus. It means a lot of official visits have been planned and already taken uh, by a lot of these quarterbacks. Uh, and when when it's a national battle, it, it really could go either way, especially relative to quarterbacks having different timelines. And all three of these guys are on pretty different wavelengths when it comes to when they want to make a decision. So naturally, the longer you're on the board, the more other schools can get involved, the more new visits uh, can be planned and throw a wrench into things, uh, again, especially when you're a quarterback. Because when you're taking an official visit as a QB1 candidate, you're going to get the entire red carpet treatment and that's everywhere you go not not just oregon so you could see why the quarterback dominoes really dominate the national conversation and, and for programs like oregon involved with many of them uh, it's going to continue to be the case and i think that's kind of i guess for dan Lanning and company at oregon this is kind of the final frontier like you said 2022 wrapped up beautifully you have added multiple additions after signing day that should be impact guys the 23 class is off to a really strong start particularly on defense and at the skill positions but the glaring question is hey like what about that quarterback uh so until that one is answered there will be some questions regarding dan landing and and that coaching staff's recruiting potential and they know that right you know they they come from big time programs landing and most of these assistants so they know that it's important to not only stay in the game for elite quarterbacks but you gotta of course Land one because second place here uh, really doesn't mean anything. So still going to be fascinating to track going forward. But we do expect June. You know, now that we're here in June, to be uh, that that critical point. You know, a lot of these quarterbacks are going to either come off the board altogether or really start to narrow things down because uh, we're getting close to that time of year where you know every top prospect wants to focus on their senior season and sort of have their recruitment behind them. So. It's a very important time of year on the recruiting trail, and and the Ducks are looking for that class headliner.
1: Yeah, shake and bake, baby. If you ain't first, you last. Uh, (laughs) Jaden Rashada and Dante Moore have been the two five-star quarterback pursuits that that Oregon has had for some time now, and we'll get to them. But that third name – I won't tease you anymore, Duck fans. That third name is Avery Johnson, who has suddenly kind of uh, emerged as another potential Future signal caller for the Ducks, so instead of uh, you know a two-horse race, and you know going back even to Nico Iamaleava, who ended up uh, flipping at the kind of at the last minute and going to to Tennessee after it looked like the Ducks might get him, it's been Jaden Rashada, it's been Dante Moore, but from what you've told me, Avery Johnson should be squarely in that mix too.
0: Yeah, he's got an official visit scheduled uh, two weekends from now, so right in the middle of June, and that's really where him and his timeline become an incredible focus because Avery told me most recently, hey, I want to be committed before the Elite 11 Finals. The Elite 11 Finals start June 28th. So if you're taking a visit June 17th, 18th, and then 10 days later, you're going to be in LA representing one school, you know, Oregon's going to get that last visit most likely, uh, second to last at the absolute worst. So you do feel good about the Ducks position just relative to others on the official visit timeline. Now, Avery, as we mentioned, is one of these quarterbacks that is ascending. It's like every day he's got a new school talking to him. We hear uh, Notre Dame is very interested, Ohio State is very interested. But among those that have already offered, Washington, Kansas State, uh, Miami are those uh, that are being you know considered very highly. He just visited Washington over the weekend and he actually liked it a lot. Um, big city feel uh, certainly resonated with him because he's a small town kid from Kansas. So that uh, usually it's the opposite, right? It's these big city kids that visit a college town and really fall in love. But I think in Avery's case, it was a bit of the opposite going from small town USA to, to a Metro like Seattle and obviously Washington desperate for a, a headlining recruit uh, really of any kind in this class of 2023. So they're in this mix now, Kansas state is is the home state school, the school he's most familiar with uh, that a lot of people a month ago thought would, would really be hard to beat no matter who joined the race. So that's still, Uh, may be true. So that's something to to keep an eye on for sure. They're getting their official visit this weekend. Uh, And again, he's already the most familiar with Kansas State. So theoretically, if they have a lead and or build on it this coming weekend, um, you know, the the ball goes immediately into Oregon's court because they are the following official visit. So I think the Ducks uh, have a lot in front of them with Avery Johnson. But I think with his skill set, the fit here is kind of classic Oregon. He is a legitimate dual threat. I'm talking 4-5 official, a laser 40-yard dash time, over 1,000 yards as a rusher, as a junior in 2021, through for 2,500 as a passer as well. And look, he wants to be known as a passer, but that athleticism at 6'2", at 6'3", six, two, six, 200 pounds, you know, when you think of Oregon, you just think of quarterbacks that can – make plays with their legs, whether it's Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota, go back – I mean, go way back to Dennis Dixon. I mean, that's just something we kind of associate with an explosive modern offense, uh, and Oregon's always been at the forefront of that. So when you start talking about scheme fit at Oregon versus a K-State, which is a more conventional run-first offense, versus a Washington, which wants to be a pass-first offense, but we're still obviously waiting to see uh, how that um, administration – rolls out the offense uh, up in seattle Uh, and then even miami with josh gaddis that's going to be a more pro style approach so when when you start to think of the fits on the field for avery johnson you start to almost build an argument for oregon and you pair that with the official visit and the timing of when he wants to be verbally committed and yeah you have to mention avery johnson right up there with dante moore right up there with jaden Rashada when you talk about oregon possibilities because you know fit wise and schematically you gotta like where, where the ducks want to be and, and historically have been with this type of dual threat quarterback.
1: Yeah, and one of the questions that we all have as Oregon fans going into 2022 is what is the offense truly going to look like with Kenny Dillingham? And we saw you know glimpses of it. We even saw a couple snaps under center, which doesn't happen at Oregon typically. But I think that when you look at what his offensive background is, a mobile quarterback plays into what he wants to do very well. Maybe not running quite as much as joe moorhead ran anthony brown uh, a season ago which was you know oftentimes anthony brown was the second leading rusher in a game because he had (laughs) 14 15 carries for 100 yards or so but I, i do like that sort of explosive athletic quarterback because if dillingham's going to run an rpo approach you have to have somebody who's who's mobile and by the way you're talking about past oregon mobile quarterbacks i think arguably the best, well, Mariota was the best runner, but I think the second best running quarterback Oregon's ever had was Jeremiah Masoli because that guy came yeah. downhill. He wanted, he wanted to run people. <laughs> he ran like a running back when he ran. You know, Darren Thomas, even Dennis Dixon, Herbert—they ran like quarterbacks when they took off to use their legs. Masoli ran like a running back, and that was uh, a that, that was a little bit unique back back in the day. But he had he had quite a good career with uh, with Oregon, as I'm sure we all remember. Well, I, uh, I want to ask you about Jaden Rashada because his brother Roman committed to Ole Miss. But I want to remind all of you that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You find all the latest developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, go Mariners, and of course, all the latest fighting news. From MMA and UFC to boxing, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. shop the year's of best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30th, Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
1: Let's move now to the quarterbacks who we've been talking about here on the show. And we'll start with Jaden Rashado, who I think was the first name that... Oregon fans gravitated towards when Nico committed to Tennessee. And I I think part of the reason is that he's from the state of California. We've had a lot of success recruiting down there in recent years. And he's also a really good looking prospect. He's got a fluid motion. He's a good athlete. He's got a big time arm. He's got good size. But one thing that you and I have been kind of following, you know, maybe on the back burner a, a little bit is where is junior college DB brother Roman commits to, because sometimes brothers want to play together. Sometimes they don't, but it's happened more than once. And Roman recently committed to Ole Miss, a school that has been in pursuit of Jaden Rashada, but they also have a quarterback commit in the class of 2023. He's a three-star dual threat quarterback. But where do you think Jaden Rashada is at right now, now that his brother has decided to go down to old hottie toddy?
0: You know, that question, where where do you think Jaden Rashada is at? That alone, in any context, has been fascinating. Because even (laughs) if you're talking physically, just in the last few days, he was at Ole Miss with his big brother, Roman, right when he committed. Roman was taking a midweek official last week. Uh, And then he went straight to College Station for his first visit at Texas A&M, which has been kind of the new trending program uh, surrounding Jaden Rashada's name. So that was over the weekend. He kicked off this week, I believe, at LSU uh, for another visit there. Uh, And now he's at Florida as we speak. So where Jane Rashada is at physically has become kind of hard to to put into context. Where's Walter? So so as you can tell, yeah, as as you can tell, a lot of schools still want this kid. And and he's still undecided. He's still trying to figure out exactly where he wants to be. But the clock is really ticking here because we talked about Johnson wanting to commit sometime before June 28th. 10 days before that, Rashada comes off the board, period. June 18th, his dad's birthday. That's been his date for quite some time. Of those top seven schools that he dropped, he'd been to all of them but Texas A&M. So now that box is checked. So we think he's kind of in full evaluation mode at this point. Again, the Gators do have him on campus. Right now, it's his second trip to Gainesville in like two and a half weeks. So there is some buzz coming from Gainesville, they've kind of zeroed in on him as their top target, even though they were maybe getting a visit from Arch Manning. They were in it for Eli Holstein, who's now committed to Alabama. So really Rashad is all they have left on that front. So you understand uh, the urgency for the Gators to be all in on Jaden. But that can be said for Oregon and LSU uh, and and every other school not named Ole Miss in this conversation. And that's where it gets interesting, right? Because he was Back there in Oxford with Big Bro when he committed his fourth trip to Oxford, I mean, how many California prospects make four visits to Ole Miss? It just doesn't happen a lot. There's obviously a rapport between him and Lane Kiffin. Kiffin is known for for that quarterback development, so you understand that angle. But like you said, Marcel Reed is committed to Ole Miss at quarterback. And at the time, I was told by a source close to the program that they were kind of done. They were like, hey, we love Jaden Rashada he wasn't ready to jump in when he took that official in april marcel reed was so you take reed kind of the safer bet and you can understand it from the Ole miss perspective right you know the biggest name in high school football arch manning is an old miss legacy who this year really kind of moved on from the rebels so you could understand them wanting to secure that quarterback spot in the class of 2023 so as of late april they weren't really sure about rashada and they weren't really sure about taking two quarterbacks now They do appear more poised uh, to potentially take a second quarterback, but it's just hard to gauge where Jaden feels uh, about that right? Uh, relative to all the other six schools on his list looking for their first quarterback. So I do think that hurts Ole Miss, even though, like you said, his brother is now committed there. Um, It's the only possibility if they want to play together again. That's something that Roman talks about more than Jaden, as far as I can dig up. Uh, I've talked to each individually, uh, and Roman brought up his little brother. Jaden, you know, kind of saluted his big brother, but I think he's more open. And look, he's got more options, right? He's got more national options, so he's more open to kind of blazing his own trail. Uh, And, and, you know, his brother's a junior college signee who's going to be able to play sooner rather than later, and he has less eligibility, so really... They would only play together a couple years uh, if it were to be Ole Miss for Jaden. And who knows, relative to the quarterback room there and, and when he may be the guy, they may not really overlap as on-field contributors at that same time. So I do think the package deal element of these brothers is a little bit um, overblown, uh, I would say. I was trying to put it nicely, but overblown is, is all I could think of. Uh, so I do think that Jaden's probably going to end up elsewhere. I think Going into these these SEC visits, it was very much an Oregon-Ole Miss feel. But since he's begun taking the trips, I think Florida and Texas A&M have now risen to that point. So I view it as a three-team race most uh, specifically. I think Oregon, um, Florida, and Texas A&M are in the best uh, position right now for Rashada. But again, still taking visits, still unsure 100% on where that verbal commitment is is going to be so going to be fascinating and he'll be the first domino of these three names to drop so i think that will obviously tell a ton about what oregon is doing and i think that's a good thing because if all three of these quarterbacks were waiting till september or october to make a decision you could you could understand the stress it would create for dan landing and company because you don't know and then all at once boom all three make a decision here you'll know where you stand for rashada if he goes elsewhere you can focus more on Johnson, who's the next guy to commit. If he goes elsewhere, Dante Moore looks like he's taking his time. So you can be, you know, a thousand percent all in on him, uh, kind of to round things out. So the calendar does help Oregon, but it also places an urgency on trying to figure out exactly where you stand, because you don't want to be, you know, in recruiting they say caught with your pants down. You don't want to be left in the dark, I should say, about where these quarterbacks are heading. So you, you just wonder how Kenny Dillingham, Dan Landing, and company are communicating with all three, trying to figure out where do we stand versus where are we hearing from, from other sources, other programs it's going to be fascinating because all three of these guys, again, they've got four or five, six schools trying to get visits, trying to get them on the commitment list. Uh, so we'll see.
1: One other thing to, to factor in with, with regards to Jaden, maybe going to Ole Miss is that they've got Jackson Dart, who they got from USC in the portal, who was with the Trojans for one year. So, you know, depending on how his NFL draft stock rises, he's going to be the starter at least for two more years, maybe three, but at least two. And I, I think that has to factor into his calculation as well as like, what sort of quarterback situation am I coming into? At Ole Miss, it's, uh, you know, it's it's competitive at Texas A&M as well, but Jackson Dart is going to be the starter. I bet you he'll put up a zillion yards this year with Lane Kiffin as his play caller because that's just what Lane Kiffin intends to do in, in college football. I think there are a lot of similarities with Dart and, and Matt Corral. I think Dart might actually be a little bit better. I like a lot what I saw from him when, when he was at USC, whereas you look at a situation like Oregon, if Bo Nix is the starter this year, but for only one more year, if either Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield were to leave the program, I think you might have a, a better shot of, of competing for a slot early there. What about the, uh, the Midwest kid, the other Midwest quarterback kid that, that Oregon is looking at, or I guess I should say the first one, I think Avery Johnson is now sort of the, the other one, so to speak, because Dante (laughs) Moore was first, but Notre Dame has been the leading candidate uh, for, for Moore for quite some time. Where, where is that recruitment at? And is there, is there a timeline on him? All state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
0: That's what's so fascinating. Spencer, there, there really isn't, Um, you know, Dante Moore and Arch Manning are the only two quarterbacks left on the board that are kind of hey you know we'll take our time we'll take our visits and we'll, we maybe want to see how some of these coaches do and these programs do particularly these first year programs and just like uh with banning and even jaden Rashada i mean dante's looking at schools that have had a lot of coaching turnover um texas a m lsu oregon certainly all under, you know, relatively recent administrations. And I'm going to go through a quarterback change here in in 2022. So he's curious to see how that looks. Notre Dame had a head coaching change. So there's a lot of, hey, I want to see how everybody looks come September. Uh, So if, if that's the case, this longstanding Notre Dame buzz you just you can't feel you can't feel great about it as more time goes on. Now, if Dante had one of these commitment dates like like Jaden or Avery Johnson, where you're like, hey, he's coming off the board in a few days, you probably feel good from the Notre Dame perspective. But as more programs get in the mix and as more visits are taken, you have to start to pull back on that just from a classic recruiting perspective. And Dante has taken from the quarterback position, probably the most visits in the country among these elite quarterbacks that we talk about it includes two trips to oregon big fan of kenny dillingham he's a big fan of dan lanning he likes the youth on the staff he certainly likes some of the pedigree that these coaches are are pulling from having been at big time programs winning uh, you know some big time high profile games so that's something that that certainly resonates with him And, and i think dante maybe even more than rashada and avery johnson is absolutely glued into the quarterback situations at some of these schools. And I think that's why some of these transition coaching staffs really has his attention. Miami's another one that, that he's high on uh, at this time, uh, because there's, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Not only how are they going to look on the field, how is the depth of that quarterback room going to look? And as you pointed out for Oregon, pretty favorable, right? Because you want to get on the field year one, year two at the latest, if you're an elite quarterback like Adante Moore, and at certain programs, that path it is a little bit clearer. Uh, so that will be interesting to see when he does start to watch these games in the fall, take more visits and begin to narrow his list a little bit further. Uh, but right now, there's only one visit left scheduled for Dante. It's Texas AM. Ironically, the same day Jaden Rashada is going to commit, June 18th, Dante Moore will be in College Station. So you can kind of read into that one of two ways. You could either say, well, AM doesn't feel great about Rashada because Moore is going to visit that same day or it, you can read into it as you know texas a m's just kind of building insurance in case they don't get rashada um because obviously you're not going to say no to a dante moore visit anyway so that's kind of an interesting irony between the two uh we've talked about the same schools with a lot of them oregon lsu texas a m miami in particular all four of those involved for both rashada and dante moore uh, so really the question around him has become what about notre dame and what about these visits? It could anything else develop beyond this Texas A&M trip in a couple of weeks, and, and right now it kind of looks like it will not. Uh, there's a big seven on seven in Vegas this weekend that Dante will be throwing at. Rashada will be throwing there too, uh, so so that kind of eliminates the weekend trips for those guys right now. Uh, so. Michigan was recent for Dante, um, and A&M's coming up two weekends from now, and that's kind of it. So that leaves optimism for a lot of the programs still in the mix. Uh, Again, Oregon's one of the few that have gotten multiple visits out of Dante, including an official. uh, And, and again, that really elevated the profile of Oregon in his eyes. So I think when you start to try to peg, okay, what's the most likely thing for Oregon, I I think – Location-wise and contender-wise, you feel good about Rashada, but you're curious about these SEC trips because they're still TBD on on some of those opinions. And then probably Johnson, I would say, because of that schematic fit, because of um, what he brings to the table relative to the others uh, and his timeline and the visit right ahead of that commitment date, I do think uh, serves UO well. There uh, and then with more, it's just everybody's got their hands up. Everybody's just like, you know, call three different days, you're gonna get three different answers. Uh, so that's what what makes it fascinating, you know, relative to his decision. But again, there is good news for Oregon coming in some respect in terms of clarity. You're gonna know the deal with Rashada in in ten days. You're gonna know the deal with Johnson right after that. And then if if you strike out on those two, you know, all hands on deck. The whole, you know, staff, recruiting staff, support staff, hosts, everybody will, will be all in on Dante Moore, even though they're pretty, pretty much in that ball, a uh, ballpark right now because he is a priority quarterback nationally. So, as you can tell, the, there's a lot of um, varying thoughts around all three of these guys. But again, Oregon truly involved with all three, and, and they'll get some clarity here soon. Is
1: that the that seven on seven thing in Vegas where where Rashad is throwing at? Is that like an open event or is that close or like what's the available – I live two and a half hours from Vegas, is why I'm asking. I don't want to go down and
0: watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there the first couple of days. So so let me know. It's yeah, it's the overtime and Cam Newton event. So overtime is is known for social media videos, uh, primarily basketball focused, but they're broadening their horizon. And this is the first you know OT seven seven on seven. It's actually four days in las vegas thursday friday saturday sunday uh and jaden rashad is playing with the miami immortals so if you want to read into that you can uh so he's playing with a, with a couple miami commitments uh and obviously guys from south florida so you might want to read into that or not uh but you know they've got great receiver targets and he probably just wants to win as well so not a bad uh, group of skill position players to pick from but yeah he's throwing out there dante Moore's throwing out there Uh, I think Dante's playing for Cam Newton's uh, program, Uh, so naturally he also will be surrounded by athletes in SEC and ACC country. So again, read into that if you'd like, Uh, but both of these guys have played with multiple seven-on-seven teams at at different points. It's just the nature of being a top-five type quarterback nationally. Everybody wants you to play for them, and who's going to pass up a free trip to to Las Vegas, you know, uh, I certainly wouldn't have at at 17 years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little more fun once you turn 21, but it's not a bad time when when you're under that age as well. Let's wrap up real quick here with John Garcia, the Sports Illustrated Director of Recruiting, and switch to the defensive side of the ball. One name that will be familiar to Duck fans on the recruiting trail and a new name as well. But let's start with Jaden Wayne, the five-star edge player, you know, 6'4", 6'5", about 250 240, 250 or so out of uh, the Tacoma area. He's been on the Ducks radar for a while. He continues to make the the final cuts. What's kind of the the latest on him?
0: Well, he finally dropped some top schools like officially, right? We had been talking about some of the schools like, hey, we know, you know, for instance, Alabama or LSU was going to stay in that mix in SEC country. The question when he dropped the top schools was always about the Pac-12 because we knew it would be a small number – of pac 12 schools and really three had been involved with him the most of course the in-state washington huskies usc and oregon which always recruit seattle very well especially when there's a high profile prospect so lo and behold he drops his top six and there's only one pac 12 program and it's the oregon ducks so another seattle or, or in-state recruit that washington will miss out on um, but the surprise is usc right you just kind of expect them to stay in the mix for for all these elite prospects but I do think it kind of tells you where um where this kid's head at the head is at right you know he's looking heavily at sec country um and then there's Oregon as as the pac-12 outlier And, and look as this summer is progressing we're seeing that a lot you know there's there's only one or two schools out west that are competing with the sec programs with Ohio State and Clemson for these big time defensive recruits in particular And it's kind of been Oregon they have been that program that that has stayed in the hunt especially with the defensive recruits which is again we've talked about this this kind of um grouping that Oregon has um under under Dan Lanning with Lanning and and Lupoy and some of these coaches that have such a great resume that stuff is really resonating on the recruiting trail and Oregon is kind of this outlier for a lot of big-time defensive prospects. Um, but they're still in the game, right? You know, um, Wayne in particular is, is taking a bunch of visits. He was at Michigan State last weekend. Uh, he's got a bunch more planned for the month of June. Uh, but, but he's incredibly familiar with Oregon. He's visited, I think, three-plus times already. Uh, so you wonder if he'll get back for, for one more trip. Uh, but, look, they've stayed in the mix here for a reason. Uh, and they're really the only – kind of like we talked about with Rashada. If he's going to stay out west, it's going to be with the Oregon Ducks, uh, and that's really not only the long standing mark of the Oregon brand, but that's the exact tier of recruiting you want to be at at Oregon. Whether you're a first year coach like Dan Lanning or a tenured coach, you've got to be that flashy brand name school out west that can compete for kids locally and, and nationally, all the same, and, and I think. Uh, wherever Wayne ends up, that will be um, you know, one of the bigger stories uh, of this 2023 recruiting cycle. But again, if he stays out West, he'll be a Duck. Finally,
1: a, a new name that has popped up on the Oregon recruiting radar in the class of 2023 is not what I would describe as a position of need right now when you look at the Ducks roster and the recent recruiting classes. But it's a linebacker, four-star guy by the name of Samaj Bridgman. And I, I say it's not a huge need. It doesn't mean I don't want to see Oregon get good players at any position, even if we're already sure. loaded at – at that particular slot, but you know, Justin flow will be back next season. You've got Harrison Taggart on the roster. You've got Keith Brown on the roster, Devin Jackson, who might be the best of all the young linebackers uh, other than Justin flow and Noah Sewell right now. I think kind of that, that next wave, I think he's got the physical attributes to be the the best of the bunch, but Bridgman, a guy who's suddenly popping up on, on the radar. And how come that's, how come that's the case for the ducks? Good news. Of course.
0: Yeah. Again, it's like all these regional schools for for, for this kid, and, and then Oregon. You know, in his top six, he's a northeastern kid, so, so naturally, you know, you got Big Ten represented. The SEC schools have been high on him. I think he was at Georgia uh, two weekends ago, uh, and obviously, they're the national champs, and, and we know what they've done defensively, so they're heavily involved here. And then there's Oregon. It, it, this is kind of the opposite of of Wayne's recruitment, where. Locally, you know, it's it's only the ducks and he's visited a bunch and it's just a matter of staying in the race. Total opposite here for Samaj, where it's like he's visited all these other programs, never been out to Oregon. He's maybe setting it up, but the timing here is okay because Samaj is in no rush. To make a verbal commitment i think he's going to take a couple officials in june and then take the rest in the fall uh so kind of want to line up you know official visits with big games we know oregon has many of those uh so he wants to reciprocate that interest that the ducks have shown and, and that's really one of the things that he said you know really stood out about that duck angle uh he told brian doan of 24 7 sports my old colleague he said look they came out to see me and scout me and, and have really dug into staying consistent in recruiting me even though I haven't been out there i've, I've been staying local i've i'm, I'm being quartered by these scc schools and, and big 10 schools yet oregon has some staying power because of just their approach really uh so he he thought that was a big deal and showed that he was a priority to the ducks and, and i do think it will eventually lead to an official visit and that love will be reciprocated at least in, in the opportunity uh to host him for a visit so Obviously, you need to get to that point to to figure out if you're really in the game, you know, from the Oregon perspective. But, again, only a few visits coming up, no rush to make a, a verbal commitment, uh, so you feel good about the chances if and when you do get that official visit. Because, look, kids love taking officials, and Oregon's one of those programs that you're not going to hear a lot of bad comments about when kids do actually get on campus. Uh, so the longer his recruitment goes, probably the better news for the Ducks, especially if he schedules that visit, but you're in the top six. You're you you're the outlier, just like you are with Jared Wayne and, and so many other defensive recruits. And that's where you need to be at this point if, if you're the Oregon Ducks. So good news uh, pretty much across the board, but obviously we're going to find out a lot about these kids when the month of June you know, progresses and eventually wraps up uh, on both sides of the ball.
1: Nobody is ever as locked and loaded with recruiting information as John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, John.
0: Thanks for having me. Take care.
1: I appreciate you making this your first listen. Go make Locked On Pac-12 where I'm hosting talking about the Conference of Champions, your second listen or view on YouTube of the day. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.